0: So grace week five, I think the grace of God is is so multifaceted and we often don't understand the, the depth and the work it does in our lives, but knowing that we... Um In Christ, we are not only enough, we are equipped, and that's what we're going to look at today, how you're equipped for the call of the gospel in your life, and how you can tune your life into the Word of God and the Spirit of God to accomplish the purposes of God. Um, Join me as I pray real quick. Lord Jesus Christ, may your Spirit be our Uh, our guide, your word, our teacher. Lord, we pray that the word of God would teach us today and that we ask, God, that the glory of Jesus Christ would be our single concern as we tune our hearts towards you. We pray, God, that you would speak a word into us that would leave us transformed, that our lives could not remain the same because you, Lord Jesus, have spoken. In your name we pray. Amen. So on Thursdays, we record um, the teaching for our online services here, and uh, Thursday, uh, mid-morning around 11, my oldest son, who's at Liberty University uh, down in Virginia, he texted me and he sent me a WW, WWF, I don't know, the world wrestling thing, the, it's so fake, anyways, um, just, But he sends it to me, and it's this guy just getting tossed around, and he's like, I'll be home in a few weeks, Dad, and I'm going to throw you around, to which I'm like, hey buddy, it looks like you're sleep talking again, you know, wake up, love, Dad. And uh, we had this kind of weird John back and forth, and uh, and then he just kept going, you know, he's too far away for me to lock him up, and I don't know if I could anymore, but, um, but I finally just said to him, I'm like, by the way, you're my opening story this Sunday in the teaching, so be sweet. And he's like, Dad, please wait a minute, and he, and he started cowering, but he, he remains my opening, my opening story today. So when Josh was a little guy, he was just a toddler, um, you know, he, like every other little child, would always come up and be like, can I have some goldfish? Can I have, you know, crackers, whatever, juice, all this different stuff, and Erica had this great idea with him, but I need to tell you, all the great parenting ideas in our home did not come from me. That's not the fountain that I am. But she had this great idea, and she said, "Um, here's the rules, Josh. You can have all the water from the fridge you want without asking, which apparently refrigerator water is like liquid gold. He was like, oh. And she said, you can have any fruit or vegetable, and you never have to ask. I got home from work that day, and it looked like an herbivore massacre. There were um, little halo peels scattered uh, about. Uh, Josh is walking around with a cucumber and some carrots. He had at it. That little dude's system was polished. He was like, he was so vegetarian. He was having a blast. He didn't have to come up and find out what he couldn't do. He was actually given the opportunity to live in freedom and to just enjoy. You can have this, and here's the boundaries. And he lived into it, I mean, wholeheartedly, right? It was the greatest thing. I loved that. And here's the thing. We oftentimes can get focused on the do-nots of this life. You know what I mean? If somebody says, don't do this, you're like, well, now I really want to, right? Or if I said, don't think of a zebra, And a zebra just went into all your heads. Morning, sir. You know, apparently you're not supposed to think of me. It's how we work. There's a nature in us that likes to focus on what we cannot do. And when Paul is talking to the church in Galatia, what Paul is talking to them about is living under the grace of Jesus Christ. They have fallen from grace because... They chose the law rather than Christ. And when you choose the law rather than Jesus Christ, what you end up getting is a focus on all the things you can't do. Your eyes are glued to the things you can't do. You're focused on all the things out on the periphery, and you're not living in the lane and the freedom that God has given you. You can even go back to the Garden of Eden where God said to Adam and Eve, he puts them in the garden, and the whole thing, he said, "You can ha- this is all for you. You may eat of anything in the garden except for one thing." the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we know after being tempted, they turned and they ate. And it imparted to them and to us subsequently a nature that is absolutely opposed to the will of God. We have a sinful nature and we constantly are looking at what we can't do and longing for that, missing the freedom we're called to live in. The church in Galatia that Paul planted and is talking to in chapter 5 of Galatians has gone back to a desire for a physical sign of the covenant on them, a physical sign. For them, it was circumcision, a mark on the male, Hebrew, or the male Jewish men, and they went back towards that, and they lost the grace. They wanted to be under the do-nots, don't do this and don't do that, of the law, and they lost the grace, and Paul told them the sign of the new covenant is not a physical sign or seal that you can put on yourself. The sign of the covenant is the Holy Spirit living within you. It lives within you. It is poured into your life. It's the very spirit of God, and it fills you. That's the sign and the seal. And you can have life in the freedom of the spirit of Christ in you. You can live in that freedom. This chapter in Galatians 5 says, choose freedom over, over the bondage of the law, choose freedom and focus on your freedom. It says, and Justin opened with it in the call to worship, it was for freedom that Christ has set you free. For freedom, you're supposed to live in that freedom and understand that we walk by faith, not by sight. So an outward sign and seal does no good in a faith journey. The outward sign and seal is not the point. It's something internally changing our nature. So what does that mean? How can we put that in a context that you and I would understand? Let me ask you a question. Who here went to Crane's Orchard this fall? Anybody? Yeah. Anybody go down there to pick cucumbers? No. Nobody got down there and was like, sweet, a broccoli tree. No. No. It's not what they do. The trees don't gather and go like, oh, what happens if we start growing rocks? No, that'd be weird. You go down there, and there's apple trees, and there's apples on them. They grow fruit naturally. There is something that God put into them, and they grow that fruit naturally. You don't look out there and see, like, you know, the the gym rat tree. You know, the, the guy at the gym who's all yoked up, like, and, like, really getting really big apples? No, he's not there. There's not the one who's never been to the gym and only lived on Twinkies out there. Oh, we can't grow apples. No, they're trees. They grow apples. I'm always amazed how many apples the little crane's tree pack on them. It's amazing. They're so fruitful. And they're just doing that. It's happening. Why is it happening? It's happening in accordance with the nature that God put into them. The fruit is growing because the nature that God put into it compels the fruit to grow. The trees aren't out there strategizing how to be more fruitful. They just are. They are just fruitful. There's a nature within them, and it's put there by God. When we live by the Holy Spirit, when you and I as Christians live by the Holy Spirit, we begin to do a work that is brand new, and here's what it looks like. Galatians 5 22 to 25 says this. Now these are the fruits of the Holy Spirit. This is the fruit that comes out of the life of the believer who is filled with the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those things grow out of the life of the believer. Paul goes on to say, against these fruits of the Spirit there is no law. For we... Who belong to Christ have crucified our passions and desires in our bodies. And we've put those to death, and now we live by the Spirit. So let's keep step with the Spirit. Let's keep up with the work of the Spirit. Let's grow the fruit that comes naturally when the Spirit of God gets into our life and does what? Changes our nature. It changes the nature of who we are. It's not an external thing. It's a nature thing. It grows from within us and outwards. It actually says we become fruitful. Something grows out of us as naturally as apples grow out of a tree. And it's not that there isn't seasons of want and seasons of plenty. It's that there's always fruit. If you cut a tree down and you look at its rings, you can see the years where there was plenty of sunlight but also plenty of rain And it's a nice wide growth ring. There's other years where the growth ring is much smaller because maybe there was drought. Maybe there was a blight. I don't know. But there was something that kept the tree from growing as much. But that same year, there was still a harvest. There was always fruit coming out of the tree. Even if the ring is smaller, it doesn't mean it wasn't fruitful. So it tells me this, whether your circumstances are favorable or unfavorable doesn't change the fact that if you're living a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit... You are gonna live a life that is fruitful regardless. An abundance is gonna come out of you and it's gonna look like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. They're going to come out of you naturally, whether you have much or whether you have little. If you have the Holy Spirit living in your life, you're going to be different. But sometimes we think we have, to, we have to manufacture something. We have to dig deep and kind of tunnel through. Have you ever woke up so tired your face hurts? Like in the morning comes and you open your eyes and you're like, oh, man, that happened. I have to go about the rest of my day. I don't know if I have it. I'm at the end of my rope. And you're just tired and you're worn out and you're kind of burned out on your job. You don't want to get up and do devotions. You're just like, oh, man, how am I going to face this day? How am I going to get to this today. What if you woke up differently? Because waking up like, oh, I'm at the end of my rope, tells me you're hanging on your rope. What if we get off our rope and the external symbols of who we depend on? Take that same day where you wake up and you're so tired, your face hurts, and instead of going to your rope and being at the end of it, what if you turned and leaned into God, and and just said to him, I don't know if I can do this day. I don't know if I have it in me. I don't know if I'm good enough, but here's the thing. I trust your purposes. I'm gonna lean into you and believe that out of my emotional, physical poverty, you're gonna bring something fruitful and life-giving. What if we leaned in like that? And you can say, but that's not how I'm wired. Trust me, my friends, I'm not a morning person. I think mornings should start at noon. I don't like them, I've heard sunrise is lovely, I'll let you guys tell me about it, right? I, I truly do not love mornings, I, I hate them. I, I do, I, I hate it, I don't like them. They're just not my time of day and I know some people judge me for that and that's all right but the reality is that's, that's how I am and I wake up sometimes I'm like, oh, I just don't wanna go but here's the reality. What if we believe something can change our nature What if something can be affixed or attached or grafted into us that changes the outcome of our life, the outpouring? Have you ever heard of a fruit cocktail tree? Some of you are like, gross. Fruit cocktail's nasty, unless it's in heavy syrup. But it's nasty, the little greasy little grapes and stuff. Ew, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Fruit cocktail trees are trees where they take the main tree like the, the stalk of the tree in the main branches, and they cut grafting notches into them. And then they graft in like lemon, plum, apple, peach, um, I don't know, cherry, and they put them, they graft them into the tree. A few years later, there's a tree in the middle of an orchard looking like Miss Frizzle, remember her? Like, crazy as the day is long. Want a plum? Great. Got some cherries back here. Looking crazy. It's a fruit cocktail tree. They attach the branches of these different fruit trees, and the fruit of that, that main stock is transformed. Why? Because a new nature was put into it. Same for you and me. Maybe your fruitfulness has been malice, greed, envy, anger. And you're like, Eric, it's who I am. I agree. But here's the thing, it's not who you're called to be. And it's not up to you to change it. It's up to you to allow the Holy Spirit to be doing the work in your life to change the nature of the tree. To change the nature of your life. So this applies to you and I pretty clearly in the reality that um, we either serve Jesus Christ at his pleasure and for his purposes, or we serve a taskmaster that lives between our ears. And that taskmaster quite often will tell us, oh, don't, don't act that way. You want to look patient, so make sure you act this way. Oh, don't do that. You won't look loving, so make sure you look loving. It doesn't say be patient. It doesn't say be loving. It says look like it. I have a face that my kids know well when I'm like you be in a store or doing something. I'm like, all right, stop, stop. You know, I'm like, okay, enough, enough, enough. And then I do this. Stop. Yeah, that face where it's a smile, but your eyes say, by the way, there'll be a ring of destruction here in just a minute. Like it's, it's that look, stop. Okay. And you just look, your eye kind of twitches. Yeah. That. It looks like people looking like, back, yeah, that dad looks tired, but look how patient he's trying to be. And you're like, stop, I will destroy all of this. I will burn Target to the ground if you don't submit, you know. And you're, but you're trying. You're just trying to be patient, right? And you look it on the outside, but on the inside, there's something very different going on. There's something in your nature that is literally screaming, and you're so mad, but you're just trying to keep it together. You're trying to look patient, look loving, have this outward sign or seal of something you're not. And that taskmaster leaves us weary and tired, emotionally exhausted. And it's not walking by faith, and it's not walking by the Spirit when we put on our own patience and love. That's not what walking by faith is. When we walk with those things, what we do is we actually live the anti Christian life, it's a facade. It's no good, but you may be like, okay, how? I'm gonna point towards where we go in the very end of this teaching in, Mark, in Matthew 11:28 28 to 30. It's one of my favorite passages, and it tells me this. Who you walk with matters. Who you walk with, who you spend time with matters. The time where you invest yourself in relationships and conversations and the times where you get your direction and your sense of purpose. It matters who you walk with. It matters who you spend time with because it tells you the kind of harvest you're going to produce. And if you walk with a religious law-abiding spirit that puts on some version of patience or some version of love, what's going to happen in the end is the taskmaster in our heads who's forced us to please people, who's forced us to um, appear one way, and look the part without being the part, that crumbles, my friends. I was talking to my mentor, a friend of mine, who I love dearly, and he took a church from like zero to 4,500 people. He's an amazing man of God. He loved the Lord, and he loves the Lord, and he had worked at some different things in his life, but he had a tough road in some ways. And he talked to me this week and we were having a conversation and he said, I'll never forget, I was just trying, I could tunnel through this is what he said, I could keep digging, I could keep working, but in my head I was thinking to myself, I need help, I'm tired, I'm worn out, I don't know what to do, I need help, but it wasn't okay in the culture he was in to say, I'm breaking down, I'm falling apart, I'm crumbling, so what did he do? He absolutely imploded and destroyed so much of his life. There's wreckage and carnage of it still today. And he's heartbroken over it. And yes, God has done a powerful redemptive work in his life. But what happened when the taskmaster in his head won was he crumbled. The facade can't hold it. And he fell apart and it destroyed him. It destroyed his family. It hurt the church. You can't live by the taskmaster. You can't walk with the taskmaster and just look the part. You have to be something. But what happens is we can't be it. We can't do it. And I'll tell you this, in walking with Jesus Christ, there are two things that are very true. First thing is this, I'm not enough and neither are you. By the way, it's self-help Sunday, (laughs) you're not enough. Um, But you're not enough, you can't do it. There's not enough strength in you. You're just not enough. I'm just not enough. There's not enough of us to pour out to keep going, to keep building the facade of looking patient, looking loving, looking generous. There's not enough. The way that mom felt in the video is very much true. Eventually all the tasks pile in and you're just like, I'm not enough. And I want to tell you something. That's a really good place to begin a faith journey. At bedrock bottom, you're not enough. But the second truth you learn makes that very redemptive. Christ is. Christ is more than enough. He takes you from relying on your own strengths and gifts or focusing on your weaknesses. He takes you from these things, showing off your fake perfection. He takes you away from those things and you learn to rely on him. But you rely on him and you realize that he's actually done something in you that only he could do. He knits you together in your mother's womb. Again, it's why we're pro-life. The work of God begins there and God knits babies together in their mother's womb and he puts his purpose and his image and his desires in there. And there's something in you where you find out not only is Christ enough, Christ is where you're equipped. You're equipped for the life he called you to lead. He doesn't send you out into the world with no tools to accomplish the life he called you to. He sends you out well equipped. And the first thing we know is this, that you have his spirit Like, think of this with me. The very first words of the Holy Bible are this. In the beginning, the Lord created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and it was void, and darkness covered the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered on the waters. That Spirit lives in you. That should rattle us. That Spirit in the primordial world lives in you. And that spirit is the spirit of Christ, the very first word of creation, Don't tell me you're not equipped. You have the Spirit of God. Paul says, do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Ah, come on, church. We could do something. We're equipped. We have the Spirit. And you'll know if you're living in the Spirit by the presence of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, and that your old life has indeed been crucified. And you're not bound to a law, but you're living in the Spirit. You have the the Holy Spirit in you. But it doesn't stop there. We also have the Word of God. And the Word of God, which is living, which is active, sharper than any two-edged sword, is working in tandem with the Spirit of God in us to do what? Well, let's look at this. Second Timothy 3.16 says, all Scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, you and I, the servants of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God has prepared you with his word and he will work through you with his word. If you soak yourself in it, he will work through his word to reveal to you how he's equipped you for the task ahead. So you have his spirit, you have his word, you're equipped. And we know it because if you look at the words of the Apostle Paul in the book he wrote to the church at Ephesus, uh, chapter two, verse 10. We are God's handiwork for we, you and I, are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. Do you see why life matters? You are created in Christ Jesus, the image of God born into you. Every person. It's why this church started so that no one in our day and age would go to hell apart from Christ without first hearing it from us that Jesus Christ loves him. You are created in Christ Jesus You are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared for you in advance. God knows his plan for you. God knows his purposes for you. And he has not left you without a well-stocked tool belt to accomplish his purposes. You are well-equipped for the task at hand. So I want to invite you to live like a chunky little toddler that I had in my house for a little while got all the fruits and vegetables he could stomach and could have all the fridge water the world ever saw. Canals flowed out of that child for a few days. Why? He was free. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of religion. It's horrifying. It's cruel. But grace, relationship, freedom, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So let's go back to the words of Jesus. Jesus. Let's look at the words of Jesus as he spoke in Matthew Matthew 11, 28 to 30. And this is um, the translation, the transliteration by Eugene Peterson, the message. It says this. Now, these are the words of Jesus. Listen to this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Catch this. Walk with me. It matters who you walk with. Work with me. Watch how I do it. My dad was in the trades. I grew up the son of a carpenter. And my dad would often show me, he did a lot of drywall stuff, and he would show me how to mud and tape and different things. By the way, never took to that. But he would always show me first. This is how you do it. And then inevitably I would just smear lumps on a wall. I was bad at it. But he would always show me. That's what Jesus says. Walk with me. Work with me. See how I do it. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. What of that smacks of religion and law? Walk with me. Get away with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Can I invite you to something? Can you please join me in the discipline of getting over what we can't do and start looking at the freedom we've been given? Can we start looking at the life we were called to and quit getting like hung up on the things maybe we can't do anymore? When we focus on that, we lose the joy and the life in freedom. And I invite you to freedom. Freedom. It was for freedom that Christ set you free, because when you see people living freely and lightly, you want to be a part of it. You want to be a part of that. It's why people at parks will stop when little groups of, like, kindergartners are playing, they'll just stop and watch. And I'm like, how many of us adults just want to run around and play? Unfortunately, most of us like, oh, Miami, right? But for them, they just look happy. They're just free, Can I invite you to quit looking at what you can't do and start living in the freedom you were given? If you're tired, worn out, and burned out on religion, can I invite you? to the one who also was tired, worn out, and burned out on religion so he died on the cross to save you from your sin and complete the work of your salvation and poured his spirit into you and gave you the word of God so that you could be purposeful, useful, and your life have tremendously more meaning than you ever asked or imagined. Can I invite you to that life? That's the life we're talking about. Focus on your freedom. Quit worrying about, do I look good? Remember, apple trees aren't out there like, no. Your life will begin to literally, literally boil out of you. Like like that girl who drank the Coke with Mentos and it shot out her nose that Matt showed us. That's what happens when the spirit of God and the word of God get to work in our life. The next thing we see is this. Well, it's wonder of wonders that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control start bubbling out of us. And it's hard. And God corrects us because his spirit loves us. The other night when I was watching the election uh, results come in, I was in a special kind of mood um, because, you know, I can control watching what happens on the news and, and control the universe from there. And my son, Ethan, was in the way of me being miserable watching TV. And he's in the way. And I'm like, dude, Ethan, get out of the way. And he put his hand on me and he said, Dad, can you be happy? He's like, No. It's election season and I live by law. You know, that's how I felt. I was just like, oh man, it was, here's the thing. I was exchanging a special form of misery, which is watching election returns is miserable every four years. I know what's going to happen and I'm miserable, but I'm in. Right? Till 3 a.m. I'm in. I I I was choosing that. Instead of paying attention to someone who won't be in my house forever. There's a pretty clear parallel for me, and I was like, man. And the problem was I couldn't—I didn't just stop and get happy. Ethan can shout amen because I was still like, still move, I'll be happy if you move. I, I was focused on it, and I missed the life that was right there. We as Christians do it all the time. I'm gonna invite you one last time. Get your eyes off what you can't do and get your eyes on the freedom you've been given in Christ. Your life is gonna burn like a glowing fire in the middle of darkness, Don't forget, the gospel never bows to culture. You get to be the bright light in the darkness, living in freedom, in hope, and in joy, regardless of your circumstances. The fruit will come. Pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, help us to be free in you. Help us to be joyful in you. God, so much of us wants to control this world, but I thank you, God, that you have taken our hands off the controls, And you've just called us to come to you, to walk with you and get away with you. I pray that we would recover our life. And God, today, I'm just so reminded of that song we sang. The darkness bows to you. So today, God, we join you in the light and in the freedom, knowing who we are in Christ And that we are thoroughly equipped for every good work which has been planned out for us in Christ Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, and convince us of that, that our lives may live that truth. In your name we pray. Amen. Friends, join me as we stand and sing. I think when when I hear those words, I want to see you. I think that's probably what the world would scream at us loudest is that they would like to see Jesus Christ living in us. But since we can't manufacture it, we might as well just invite the Holy Spirit to come to fill us, to speak through his word and transform us. 503 years ago, as of last Saturday the reformation began. One of the the claims of the reformation was this. There's a priesthood, not of elite priests and pastors, but there's a priesthood of all believers. All people should be soaked in the word of God, filled with the spirit of God, used for the purposes of God, for the glory of God in Christ Jesus. That is you. It is our time And I wonder what they'll say in 503 years of our generation. May it be this, that they burned like a light, like a fire in the middle of the darkness for the glory of one. They laid aside their passions and their desires and they focused themselves on the Lord Jesus Christ, his glory and the revelation of him to a world that doesn't know him. Let that be our testimony. The only way we're going to get there, church, is by none of our own effort, just our faithful obedience to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to fill us and to get into the word of God. We have devotions for you at the airlocks as you leave today. Please grab those. Make use of them. Get in the word of God, the word of God, the spirit of God, equipping the saints for the glory of God. And as you go about that, I'm not saying it'll be easy, but it sure will be fun to look around and see all the love The joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I think if we embody those things by the presence of the Holy Spirit, we're going to stand out. So go and find yourself in the presence of God and the word of God being transformed into the image of God. And as you do, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I think there's coffee left. You can hang out in the causeway, talk outside, because it's like 70 degrees until winter comes. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. You're dismissed.